And it's Deuteronomy chapter 6, the whole chapter. There is a page turn, so be ready. Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting at verse 1. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey, so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to, swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob to give you a land with large flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then, when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Fear the Lord your God, serve him only, and take your oaths in his name. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the peoples around you. For the Lord your God, who is among you, is a jealous God, and his anger will burn against you, and he will destroy you from the face of the land. Do not test the Lord your God as you did at Massa. Be sure to keep the commands of the Lord your God and the stipulations and decrees he has given you. Do what is right and good in the Lord's sight, that it may go well with you and you may go in and take over the good land the Lord promised on oath to your forefathers, thrusting it thrusting out all your enemies before you, as the Lord said. In the future, when your son asks you, what is the meaning of these stipulations, decrees, and laws the Lord our God has commanded you? Tell him, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent miraculous signs and wonders, great and terrible upon Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. He brought us out from there to bring us here, to bring us in and give us the land that he promised on oath to give our forefathers. The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God so that we might always prosper and be kept alive as is the case today. And if we are careful to obey 
all this law before the Lord our God, as he, is, as he has commanded us, that will be our righteousness. Here ends the reading. Morning, everyone. Lovely to be here. Let's pray. Uh, gracious Father, thank you that uh, we are here. Thank you that you give us this privilege to meet together, to worship you, to encourage one another. We ask as we look at your word that, Father, you would help us, speak to us, change us, correct us, encourage us, strengthen us. In his name and keep me from error, we would ask. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, well, you uh, you know we're still in Deuteronomy, and uh, but you will have realised that I'm not doing verse by verse. So this is an overview, and you read the rest and try and fit it in with the comments that I make, I suppose. We're doing two chapters, Deuteronomy 5 and 6. We only read, we did read quite a lot, actually, uh, chapter 6. But you remember the context, this is, Moses, it's his farewell speech. He's explaining the Torah, the law to a new audience, to the people who were the children of those who, in one sense, received the earlier covenant in Exodus. The children are the, they're here, but they are the children of the generation that has rebelled. But we notice that this is, as we go in, it's an instruction on how to live in the promised land. It's a positive instruction because to help them how to be, we noticed it was basically a re-entering into the lost relationship from the Garden of Eden, that the promised land is pictured as a solution to fix that, where God will be and you will be with our God. He will be ruling. He will provide for us and we will be with him. There's probably a couple of things I missed there. Sorry, Graham Goldsworthy. Firstly, <clears throat> our covenant at Sinai, verse 1 to 5 of chapter 5. We haven't read it, <clears throat> I admit. Chapter 5, verses 1 to 5, I want you to notice it's our covenant, he says, at Sinai. He repeating, the, as we know, he's giving the introduction uh, here, why he's about to repeat. The Lord's already been done in Exodus. Why is he doing it here? He's driving home that this is their covenant. Verse 2 of chapter 5. The Lord our God made a covenant with us at Horeb. It was not with our ancestors that the Lord made this covenant, but with us. Notice my emphasis, of course with all of us who are alive here today. Hard to miss, with us, not your ancestors even, goes and says. This present generation that are here may not have been the ones who were adults to receive the covenant, but many of them were there. Verse 4, the Lord spoke to you face to face out of the fire on the mountain, verse 5, I stood between the Lord and you to declare the word of the Lord because you were afraid of the fire and did not go up to the mountain. 
Now, do you have many childhood memories? Do you have childhood memories? Can children remember things into adulthood? The truth is yes. You remember the big and important things. They might not always be wonderful, but you remember the big, important things. That's what's happening here. The Lord spoke to you out of the fire. On top of the mountain was basically an inferno. There was smoke. It was scary. It needed a word. Do I need to look up in the dictionary? It was foreboding. Do you like that word? It's pretty good, foreboding. Uh, It was foreboding. There were loud bursts of thunder. How do you forget that? They haven't, says Moses. That's his point. They were there. And he wants them because when you look at verse 9 of chapter 5, it's important that they make sure this is their covenant because it needs to be given to those who were not there the third and the fourth generation. The covenant is theirs. It's ours. We were there, us, all very personal things. The Ten Commandments are theirs. The Lord spoke to you face to face. Their primary goal is to make sure that they worship the Lord, their God, and to realise they are the one who have made this covenant with the Lord. It's theirs. Secondly, we go on to look at the Ten Commandments. And believe it or not, I'm only going to look at the first one in this whole sermon. So there you go. It gives the context, of course, with the Ten Commandments when they're repeated here for what follows. They're like, it's almost like Exodus chapter 20. The word for word, but there are some slight differences. You need to get understand this same material in this new and different context. It's different from the first one, and Moses slightly applies it differently. <clears throat> Firstly, I wanted you to notice the emphasis on up and out of Egypt. I'm the Lord your God who brought you up and out. You're going to hear me say that a bit, unfortunately. Up and out of Egypt. Those words are the same as in Exodus. The beginning of the call to obedience is God's act of saving them. Up and out. Up and out of Egypt. Why up? Why up? Up out of slavery, out of bondage. He saved them up and out of Egypt. That's a strong emphasis here. Secondly, the prohibition on adultery. This is at the start of Exodus. It's also at the start of Deuteronomy. And here you understand why. Because the previous from Exodus to Numbers has shown you time and time again that the people have already slid back and would slide back. 
backslidden, as they say, into idolatry. And this current generation are to be warned that they are not to do that. These things, says in Deuteronomy 29, 29, these things revealed belong to us and our children forever. Vital that they teach, this current generation, teach God's ways. Thirdly, this rest is extended. Remember what we said the concept of rest was, entering into God's great care from creation, God on the seventh day rested. <clears throat> and he invited, you, when you find that, you see there's that day thing. Remember the six days, first day, the day ended. When you get to the seventh day, it doesn't end. It's funny. It's noticeable. It's saying all of creation will rest with and in God's rest and care. Here, that, ex, that concept of God's care and rest includes the whole generation, the whole household. They're to remember that when they were Egypt, they were treated badly. And so in this world where they will have servants, they will treat them very differently. That's the reality. This is the world. And he says, treat your servants like yourselves. The rest replies to all. It's not as if you could rest and make other people work. Rest. Rest comes from God's deliverance here, not from Genesis, but in 5.19, it comes from how God brought them up and out of Egypt, delivered them from Egypt from slavery and oppression. Fourthly, there is a wonderful, uh, we are looking at this, I'd have to say, uh, my favourite commandment, all parents' favourite ten, ten commandments, apart from the first one or two, honour your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you, so that you may live long, that it may go well in the land that your Lord God is giving you. That it may go well is added to the commandment here. It's not in Exodus, but it is here. Just dwelling in the promised land is not the goal. Just getting there is not good enough. The Lord wants them to be good in this good land. This land is a good land and they are to do things so that all may be well. The good land, you remember when God made the world, it was good. As he makes everything, it is good. This goodness is meant to be reflected in how they do and live so that it may go well with them. Israel is returning to the good that God has made for them and intended for all his creation. Thirdly, love the Lord your God, Deuteronomy 6, 1 to 25. I could have entitled this point, 
fear the Lord your God. Because we read in chapter 6, verse 5, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. You heard of that one before? Jesus was asked what was the most uh, important commandment, and he said this. The fear of the Lord that Moses has in mind is actually this. It's the fear that produces not just a bow or a curtsy, one of respect, but rather it produces obedience. It produces devotion. It doesn't produce cowering, fear and worry, but confidence and worship. That's wholehearted stuff. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and all your strength. This sums up the first section of the first commandment. The result of this love is obedience which leads to blessing. It reminds us of Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, when he says, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the land. The book of Joshua will show us that they are unable to do this and to not enjoy that blessing. But we don't want to jump ahead. Four, the Lord alone is our God. Moses begins with what is called the Shema. Uh, Robert Ben uh, instructed me on how to pronounce that, so you, if you can say it with me. Shema, Shema. You've got to say that, Ma. Does that sound right? Be, it's, it's, a, it's not really right, but it's something. But it's, you don't just say Shema or something like that. It's Shema. 6 verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. This is a famous verse. And much has been said about it. Jesus will say is the most important commandment in Mark chapter 12, verse 29. Remember the context. Why is this being said? What are they doing and what is the danger around them? The danger is a word I looked up in the dictionary, polytheism. What does that mean? Idolatry, the worship of lots of gods. That's their danger. How do they avoid the pantheon of gods around them, idolatry? They remember, Lord our God, the Lord is one. It says that there aren't many gods, there is only one God. You could say, you could translate it, the Lord our God, the Lord is our Lord. You could pronounce it that way. It's the same word, though, for one here that is used in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. Do you know what that says? I'd be surprised if you did, but you'll know when I say. A man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. Now, uh, is anyone a maths person here? Maths teacher, anyone? Maths professor, anyone? One plus one equals 
one. <laughs> so it's a, it's 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 a bit like how I do mass. I've got to admit. But the Lord our God, the Lord is one, is not a statement that pre, uh, excludes the idea of what God will reveal in the fullness of his revelation of himself, i.e. Trinity. We're not saying one here as in one, one me. We're saying God alone. To remind them, they remember to bind these on their hearts and press on their children, tie these symbols on their hands, bind them on their foreheads. Children, don't do this at home. Don't write it on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So it says to do that, but I'm just saying don't do this. We don't need to do that anymore. That's how important it is to remind them that God alone is the one they worship. One of the teachers of the law asked Jesus the question, what are the two most important commandments? And Jesus responded, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is love your neighbour as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these and it actually sums up the whole ten. So there you go. The covenant, as we understand, could not be kept. They fell into idolatry. They wanted to be like the nations around them. And when Jesus walks into our world at just the right time, which Galatians 4 tells us, Jesus walks 40 days in the desert and emerges faithful and does not sin. He is the true Israel, he's here. But more, Jesus walks the land proclaiming God's kingdom, teaching, healing the sick, the blind, the lame. Here is one of amazing, we haven't seen for many a year, a prophet. But more, Jesus taught on the law and its application. His teaching was a wonder to the people. Here is a priest, a teacher of the law. But more, Jesus enters Jerusalem and the crowd shouts, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father, David. Hosanna in the highest heaven, Mark 11. The one we've been waiting for, the Messiah, but there's more. He calms the storm. He raises the dead. He speaks with authority. The Lord has said he would do a new thing, do it himself, Isaiah 43. God has come in the person of Christ Jesus. Jesus said in Mark 9, 39, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him and after three days he will rise. Jesus, as the true Israel, obeys the commandments and fulfills the law. He dies and the curtain in the temple is torn from top to bottom. The barrier, we might even say the flaming swords from the garden, are gone. What separated us from the Lord has been broken by Jesus. He has taken us up and out. He is raised on day three, the third day, to life. 
Jesus has brought us up and out of sin and death. He pours his spirit into us that we might follow him. He leads us in true worship, in spirit and in truth. And as we worship our Saviour, the Lord of everything, one Lord, one God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And though we were once on the outside, he brought us in and made us sons and poured into our hearts his spirit, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, for you've been brought up and out, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you heir of all God's kingdom. Let's pray. Gracious Father and our God, we're uh, amazed by what you have done for us in Jesus. We read uh, Deuteronomy and we at times find it hard to uh, come to grips with and hard to hear perhaps. But, Lord, we realise this is part of your world, the world that uh, is lost in sin and death and gripped in that captivity. Yet, Father, Jesus came as none other and came as you sent to be a human that he might be us and fulfil for us the law that we couldn't keep and take us from death to life by paying that price that means to not follow you perfectly. Gracious God, we've been brought up and out of sin and death, released from slavery, captivity, to freedom in you. And Lord, we pray that you would uh, do your work in us to make us more like Jesus by your spirit. We praise you. We thank you that we live in your kingdom and will always be there, reigning with you because of your good pleasure. And your love for us knows no bounds. In Jesus' great name we pray. Amen.